0: Today on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. It's obvious, like this is gonna make life better for for everyone, Yeah. so why won't they get on board? Yeah, super frustrating. It is so frustrating. Often we think it's because they're lazy or stupid or slack or, you know, just plain dumb. I don't know, maybe there's a few who are, but I don't think it's the majority. (laughs) Not pointing fingers at you, right? No. And Definitely not across this table. No, just because you pay them doesn't mean they'll do what you want them to. Yeah, I'm
1: sure we've all thought that before though, right?
0: Change might require the employee to learn something new and they often feel threatened by that Definitely. and a classic example is new technology uh, you know for the the older people in your workforce maybe they're 35 40 or older i'm
1: giggling because it's not always oh
0: this is me everybody by the way
1: this is me we you are, are a technical lemon
0: <laughs> how frustrating is it when you have a great idea that will improve your business and you try to make the changes but your team just aren't excited and they actually make it hard for you to make the changes happen Tune into this week's podcast where we discuss how to get your team on side and excited about making positive changes in your business. You're listening to the Profitable Trading Podcast, where every week we help you make more money, get your time back and make life and business a whole lot more fun. Join us as we transform your plumbing, electrical or similar service business into a successful operation. Don't miss a beat. Hit the follow button. Let's get started. Well, howdy there, Tony Fraser-Jones here, the host of uh, the Profitable Trading Podcast and uh, Hanging out here with my good buddy and sidekick Phil Smith. Yo. How's it going today brother? Always good. Always good. Fan yep. bloody-tastic. Fantastic. What are we talking about today?
1: Mate, well as the listeners probably know, uh, we run a coaching business for the owners of plumbing, electrical and similar service and construction businesses and our members are the type that are you know super motivated to make changes and improve their business but often they get really frustrated because their team don't seem to have that same enthusiasm as they do when it comes to making those changes. And, you know, sometimes when you're out there making changes, uh, they don't just not get excited, but they can
0: actually actively sabotage progress. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very frustrating. And particularly, you know, when the changes that we want to make actually seem so obvious, like the benefits to everyone are really clear. Mm. And it's like, well, it's obvious, like this is going to make life better for, for everyone. Yeah. So why won't they get on board? Yeah, super frustrating. It is so frustrating. And uh, often we think it's because they're lazy or stupid or slack or, you know, just plain dumb. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Maybe there's a few who are, but I don't think it's the majority. <laughs> not pointing fingers anywhere, right? No. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, and maybe, Definitely not across the table. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyhow, uh, look, the change might be anything. It could be you've got a new piece of software, a new piece of equipment or kit. Maybe it's some systems or processes, some quality assurance processes or pricing templates. Or a technology inquiry script, you like know, anything things to say in customer yeah. service process yeah. could be anything. A sales, really. a sales framework or script that you want the guys to use when you yeah. are out in the field could be anything. Something um, you've heard on this podcast, maybe, <laughs> <heard>. hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is incredibly frustrating because you know that it'll actually help the business do better.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. But they just won't get involved with it, and uh yeah, yeah, basically, puts all your hard work and excitement to nothing. So, I'm sure you got a story. Uh, I do have a story. Us up. Yeah. Um,
0: so uh, I'm a bit of a, a conference junkie. I love going to conferences and learning new stuff. Uh, you know, I've been to Tony Robbins conferences, other coaching conferences, property investing conferences, uh, you name it, I, I go to it because I just, I really enjoy that. And when I go to those, I get really motivated, really fired up, really excited about what I've learned. And I come back with, you know, lots of ideas and stuff that seem obvious to me to put into place and improve, you know, whether it's in our investing or in the business or, or wherever it is. And uh, my dear wife, uh, Bronwyn, she's an amazing lady, uh, she bears the brunt of it. And I think sometimes <laughs> when I come back, I get the sense that she's maybe a little bit less enthusiastic about some of the stuff I'm coming back with than I am. There's some conferences you go to, I'm bearing the brunt of it. So if Bronwyn's getting it worse than me, I feel sorry for her. Either. That's right. It's probably, it's <laughs> probably really overwhelming. <laughs> feel uh, you
1: should hear this thing that this property investor said. I'm like, yeah, bro, sweet. No. Yeah, I probably need to dial it <laughs> back a bit sometimes. We are busy, you know. Though. Yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, and and sometimes in those situations, I feel a little bit like, oh, man, there's cold water being poured on my ideas and, you know, you feel a bit like, oh. Yeah, deflated. A bit, 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 bit deflated. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, Bromman's amazing. Uh, I think, you know, we've all experienced something like this. Yeah. Uh, now, recently, Bromman went to a uh, an investing seminar. Mm-hmm. I stayed at home and looked after the kids. There's four of them. It was chaos. I'm still recovering. But I was super excited that she could go. That was awesome. Uh, She came back and she was really excited about everything she'd learned. And she (laughs) talked about the stuff that she'd learned and what we could do. And my initial feeling now, honestly was I was a little bit lukewarm. I was like, Oh, okay. Righto. Uh, But I, I guess I'm lucky because I've been in the other position. I knew that it's, you know, it's really important to, to be supportive and, I just asked a bunch of questions so I could really understand what had gone on. And after a while, actually, I was pretty excited about some of the stuff that she'd learned as well. I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I'm you know, keen to get on and, and make some stuff happen. The thing is, we, you know, we're we always more excited than our team or the people we share the information or the ideas we have with because you know, we've learned about it. Uh, we've had it delivered to us in a way that's you know, really compelling, maybe by a speaker or a book or something, uh, and we can't sell the idea like they can. Mm. Uh, and it's just a different thing, and so I think we've all experienced that, like, oh, well, why won't they get on board?
1: Yeah but you just basically haven't sold it right that's, that's really right. the key yeah it hasn't and, been sold and I mean of course you haven't because reality is you got your idea from like a, a great book or an awesome podcast like the Profitable Trader Podcast or maybe you got one you know from like, like share and follow that's a that like that what you follow. Did? Yep, yep yeah, that's one or otherwise maybe yeah you saw something on YouTube or you, you've been to a conference yourself something, something the likes you've had a great learning delivered by a compelling speaker or a great book or the likes and you know, you're going to come back and try to deliver that to somebody else and get them on board but the reality is is you probably had an hour to hours, three hours, an entire day, or a you know week worth of reading a book potentially uh, to get on board with this idea, and uh, you probably gave a ten minute chat, and you're wondering why they're not on board. So. Yeah, and
0: sometimes you even think, oh, that doesn't sound so cool. When I when say I it say, back. It. yeah, it, yeah, was yeah, some, it seemed. Better I can't the remember first time. what was
1: good about that. It's like, yeah, well, you you probably need to go back and review yeah. the learning. But but no, I think the point is, it, it's not an uncommon experience. I'm sure a lot of people listening have, have had similar. So um. So yeah, and I think a bunch of problems we can run into if we, you know, don't learn how to get people on board with our ideas.
0: Yeah, well, the first one is you do get a lot of pushback to change. So say we're going to do some stuff to your team, and they're like, it just feels like a hassle to them. They're like, oh, dragging their feet. Hmm. Or maybe they, you know, you, you you ram through the change, and you actually just end up chasing people up. You know, yep. like they sort of say they will, but really, you've got compliance from them. Like they're like, yeah, 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 but really, there's not a lot of commitment. They aren't buying in. They're yeah. not on board, really. They're just doing it because they have to.
1: Well, I think the thing is, is often we get reluctant compliance, yeah. which feels like compliance, but there's a difference between reluctant compliance and excited compliance, for example. They're very different outcomes.
0: Yeah, well, compliance is not commitment. And we mm. yeah, we want commitment. It's very difficult for meaningful change to happen in the business without getting people on board because it's you trying to, you know, if, if you've got a team, if it's just you, well, okay, you've just got to convince yourself. That's a different story. But we're talking about where you've got a team, maybe you've got, three people or 10 people or 25 or you know 150 obviously the more you have the more important this is because you've got to drive the change through the whole organization yeah and your business actually starts to stall and you get really really frustrated that's it like so many business owners that we talk with are frustrated because they can't seem to move things because their team to use a a phrase a bunch of useless bastards right they're like (laughs) really frustrated
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it can feel that way at least. Yep. And on, on the other hand, if we can get buy into the ideas that we got and the changes we want to make, uh, some pretty significant
0: upsides. Yeah, people will accept and embrace change like they're excited about it. You can actually focus on your role, as you know, your team's across what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to follow up. You don't have to beg and cajole. You don't have to get the stick out, whack people with the stick. Metaphorically, you know, <laughs> it would be awkward if you did that actually, uh, you know, and, and your business will improve. And there's more cash and profit and better lifestyle for you because you've been able to make these positive changes to your business which do require you to get your team on board.
1: Not to mention there's one we actually didn't mention there which is uh, you'll just be filled with more energy because what a bloody waste of energy when you feel like you're beating your head against the wall to get people on board with an idea that's actually going to make everybody's lives better. Um, Whereas on the other hand when people are, you you know, you're not getting just compliance or reluctant compliance, you're getting that commitment and people are right on board. Um, it doesn't just not drain your energy, it actually boosts your energy and you feel awesome because you're excited. We're all on the same team. We're all, you know, rowing in the same direction and, you know, this is going to be so great and, and I'm, I'm not in it alone, which is, you know, super powerful. So, I mean,
0: that's it's a big benefit. So, how do we do this? The first thing is to get people on board with change in your organisation, you have to understand that your responsibility as a leader is to get them on board. Mm. No point asking why can't they just get on board. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because... Just because you pay them doesn't mean they'll do what you want them to. Yeah. Well, I'm so sure
1: we've all thought that before, yeah, though, right?
0: That's right. Yeah. You know, well, I pay them so they should do it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't work Why can't work they that way. just get on board? Unfortunately, know? it doesn't work that way. Why can't they see this as a great idea? It's our responsibility. That's the first thing. If we're blaming them and making it that they're the problem, then we give our power away. It's like, well, what can I do about that? I can beg and cajole, but that never works. No. it just And it feels weird. Yeah. especially when you're the boss. So it's an inside-out job. It's our job to figure out how we can get them on board. What, what we need to do differently as a leader mm. is critical. So the first step in this process is taking responsibility for the results and the outcome you're getting. Yeah, 100%. Which is uh, you know, basically living above the line. Rather than blaming people, you've got to actually take responsibility and ownership for the result. Yeah. Because uh, if they aren't on board, well, we're the ones who need to change, not them. Yeah, totally. And you got to think about
1: this from the team's perspective. Like, you know, if they don't understand the problem as much as you, which they won't uh, because typically they're only seeing part of the issue or they actually don't understand all the implications of the team, you know, if that's the case, then how can they get on board the way you're on board? They just don't even understand it's the level that you do. I mean, take doing your job cards accurately, which I'm the sure... The old you, chestnut. The old chestnut. I'm sure everybody's struggled with that at some point. Um, but, you know, again, like, your guys out in the field or on the tools they don't understand the effects that this has on say the office team you know like they don't and even when you explain it to them it's you know they might even logically get it but it's a bit different than really understanding what it's like to sit in that other chair and and experience this from a different perspective plus they don't understand what it's like to sit in your chair and experience that you know, slow invoicing speed because the job cards aren't filled out accurately and we've got to go back and forth and get an accurate description so that we can get an invoice together and send it out that that's actually going to stuff your cash flow and create this you know overwhelming stress for you because you're worried how hey, you're going to pay the bills you know they don't see that. And even if you can explain it to them, they've never felt it, and they will never feel it. This is the way that you feel it. They they can't can't connect the dots. They can't, you know. And again, like customer payments, and you know, like the the issues that that's going to have off the back of, say, slow invoicing, or you know, the complaints that you might get from clients because if there's an
0: incorrect invoice,
1: yeah, incorrect invoice, or maybe something's been missed, but you don't have any notes about what's been missed or what actually happened on the job, and so you're going back and forth dealing with an unhappy client. Um, you know and you got someone in your office who's just having this hell of a time uh, cleaning up after somebody that just didn't do the job cards right but the person who didn't do the job cards right will never really understand that if you you know if you can't shed some light on That's it for right.
0: them there and, and their, their thing is like why are you always on my back about this i did it at the end right. of the week or i did it at the end of the day when i'd forgotten half of the stuff that i used and you know didn't get the time right or whatever, didn't write an accurate description. They're like, why are you always on
1: my back? Why are you such a pain? Well, that's it. Everybody's looking through their own lens. And if you think about the team's uh, perspective that they have here, is they're seeing all the difficulty that they have to have getting those job cards done on time you know, the extra hoops that you're making them jump through and, and, uh, you know, the fact that I can't get to my next job on time because I'm sitting here filling out job cards in the van, you know, like, it doesn't matter what it is, they're seeing that, they're not seeing the pain and struggling that the office staff are going through with that uh, with that slow invoicing and the complaints and inaccurate pricing, all of the flow-on effects, that, that's not what they see.
0: Yeah, and there are a bunch of reasons why people will stall with change and not get on board with the changes you want to make. and. They may not make sense to you, but they make total sense to your employees. Mm. Um, and like, one is fear of change. Yeah, now, change brings uncertainty, and people don't like uncertainty. You know, no. how will it actually affect their day-to-day work? Yeah. Might it affect their job security? Uh, you know, the le- and the less information people have, the more fearful they are because they have to basically paint the the picture themselves without actually having the real information. Yeah. Uh, so fear of change is a big one, and just naturally as people we actually are more comfortable with the status quo. 100%. Uh, most of us find familiarity and comfort in the same, same. Yeah. And any change actually requires effort. So we're creatures of habit, and then we've got to change the habit. That actually requires quite a lot of thought, mm. uh, which is tough for people. Another one which you often isn't thought of is actually a lack of competence. Like That's, This one's huge. This is massive. Change might require the employee to learn something new, and they often feel threatened by that. Definitely, And a classic example is new technology. Uh, you know, for the the older people in your workforce, maybe they're 35, 40 or older, uh, let's say it's that old anyway Uh, i'm giggling because it's not always oh this is
1: me everybody by the way this is me you are a technical lemon we roll out a new technology when we rolled out our our latest crm upgrade oh i was i was packing my undies this is
0: terrifying for me because i am going to be found out yeah and this happens to a lot of people in in your business is they actually are scared that they won't have what it takes to learn what they need to learn particularly around a new piece of software yeah uh you know if they haven't grown up with it it's like wow this is this is a big issue yeah. Uh, so they are, they are scared that they may not have the competence. They feel ashamed of themselves and they pull a defense mechanism, which is basically just kind of avoiding the issue. Yeah, So that's, totally. that's a big one. Uh, and you might not think about that. It's easy to you, but it's not easy to everyone. That's it. Uh, poor comms, like poor communication is another one. Yeah. Uh, you know, about what's involved, what's required from them and, and what the benefits actually are for everyone as well. Like if you don't explain the benefits, well – you know, is it any wonder people struggle to actually get on board? Well, then it just feels like hoops to jump through. That's right. It's more hassle. Yeah. And the last one, which is which I think is powerful, is a lack of trust. If people don't want to get on board with changes that you're suggesting, it may actually show you that your culture is, is more low trust than you think uh, because if they're not super excited about the changes it means. Maybe they don't quite trust that you've got their back, that you've got their best interests at heart. The flip side is doing the change process well actually is a great way to build trust as well. If you're really open and transparent and help them understand why you're doing what you're doing, that's going to do a lot to actually build the culture of trust, which will make it easier next time uh, to make the changes. Yeah, 100%. So the, the thing, those are some of the reasons. So what we want to do here is we want to actually prepare the ground before we do change. So yeah. rather than just turn up and ram the change and say, this is what we're doing, team. Crack on. Let's get into it. The work we do before we actually you know, pull trigger is, is critical. And the key concept here is want to get their team involved because yep. involvement breeds commitment. The more involved they are, the more they're going to buy into the change. Yeah, 100%. And we do have a process to follow here. Uh, we call it the unfreeze uh, change and then
1: refreeze process. Uh, and this actually comes from uh, you know a lot of change management research, which again, if, uh, if anyone's from a corporate environment, you've probably heard a lot about change management. But uh, you know, if you haven't, it, this is a very simple process and metaphor to go through. Uh, and basically I think the easiest way to think about this is if you imagine um, a piece of ice. So imagine that this this ice cube is in the shape of a square and you'd like to turn it into a triangle, so you want to change that piece of ice. So one way that you could do that is you could chip away at that square until it's in the shape of a triangle. Uh, and that's cool, you know, you'll get there in the end, you'll have a jagged little triangle, it won't be very perfect. Uh, and moreover, one of the big things here is you have to lose a lot of the ice, so you got to really chip it away and... It's a lot of collateral damage, uh, and what this is similar to would be, you know, basically ramming through a change uh, without much thought or care. You know, you're just going to bash it into place, bash, uh, bash that compliance away, uh, and what happens is you lose a lot of the metaphorical ice, which is basically that collateral damage and, and that trust that you have with your team. When you're having to pull the old do it because I'm your boss which uh, I'm sure a bunch of us have said that before and the minute it comes out of your mouth you you tend to regret it right you know that wasn't a good thing for the relationship between you and the staff. Yeah and
0: sometimes you don't regret it and you're like you really believe they should do it because you're the boss but if you find yourself doing that you need to look in the mirror because I'm telling you that's not going to work well.
1: It's the weakest form of compliance. So on the other hand if I wanted to change that square into a triangle without all the collateral damage, another thing I could do is I could just melt the ice cube uh, right down into water and then uh, you know put it in a cast of a triangle and refreeze it and then that way I keep every last drop of that water, every last bit of that ice and I get a fully formed new uh, new result without the damage of metaphorical trust. So again, in order to do that, Metaphorically, what I'm actually doing is I'm going to work through all of the problems that we have with the team, and be able to break down uh, the solution that we're trying to look at, and you know get everything out on the table, which is essentially melting the the current um you know pushback. And then what I'm able to do is then rebuild some opportunity there uh, into a new shape, where again we have a nice open discussion as a team about what we stand to gain from this change, and that way I can get everything out on the table. Uh, and then change the, the spin on all of it so that we can look at it in more positive light. So that, that's basically what you're doing.
0: Yeah, and, and the thing here is if you want to make change, rather than pushing harder, it's much more effective to reduce the resistance. Yeah, that's the 100%. key. So reduce resistance, change will happen more easily. If you push harder and harder, it creates more and more tension and effort and more collateral damage. Yeah,
1: totally. So how we do it uh, is you'd have a a meeting, so essentially it's a change management meeting, you wouldn't call it that to the staff but that's basically what it is, where you've identified a problem, now the thing with this is you do identify the change you want to make beforehand. This is not a meeting where you get the whole team together to discuss what do you think we should do because frankly you'll probably get a bunch of silly ideas. You might get some good ones but they won't all be great and the minute you give that forum now you have to start entertaining ideas you don't want to, you probably have a solution you already want to do. So if you've made your mind up, that's cool, this is to go and sell that idea to the team. So you run this meeting and you go through uh, two parts. So number one we have to unfreeze, the other one we have to refreeze and we call this the problem tree and the opportunity tree. So the problem tree essentially what I do is that um, I state uh, this is the problem we're trying to solve, here's a proposed solution and now I want to do what's called a problem tree which is where I want you guys, the team, to tell me everything that's going to be terrible about my solution. And really let me have it. Like, go for it. And basically, you might have to start the ball rolling here because people are going to be a little bit nervous about telling you your idea is no good. But the fact is, they will have pushback and things in their head. And I think a bit, a bit like a bucket. I can't pour new stuff into the bucket if it's already full. So I need them to empty their buckets, essentially, in terms of their pushback, so I can refill it with good stuff. And so you really drag it out of them. You know, like, so let's say again, we look at the job cards example. Uh, things I'm looking for with that is, this is making me jump through hoops. You know, we never used to have to do this before. You know, everything was working fine the way it was. Why do I have to do this extra work? This is gonna take extra time and I'm not gonna get to my next job. How are we gonna build for this? These are the stuff that they you want them to start saying. And if they don't start, you start. You know, start writing stuff up on the board for them until they really get going and then ask them what else? What else? Keep it going and congratulate them when they say stuff so that they learn it's okay to do that. You write all of those problems that they have up on the board. Uh, and then what you do is next to it, you write, who does that affect? So again, if it's going to take extra time, who does that affect? Well it affects the tradesman on site, it affects the client, You know, blah blah blah, write it all up. Once you are definitely confident you've exhausted that list, then what you do is what's called the opportunity tree which is where we're refreezing. and that's where you say, all right cool, thanks guys, that's really really helpful that we've discussed all that. Now what I'd like to do is look at the opportunities that we stand to gain from if we do implement this strategy. And same thing, you're getting them to call out opportunities. What would work about this? For example, if we can get the invoicing speed to be faster, we're going to have happier clients and uh, you know we're going to get paid faster, cash flow will be better and we can use it in these ways. Again, you might have to prompt this a bit at the start because they won't have thought about this at all, they'd have thought a lot about the problems, that'll all be there. Uh, you might have to help them with the opportunities. But again, big long opportunity tree and who will it affect? So again, if the, if the you know job cards are more accurate then it's going to you know save a bunch of time for your office admin staff because they won't have to go back and forth with tradesmen trying to figure out what to put in there.
0: Well one of the opportunities might be you're not going to get rung 17 times a week from uh, the office about what was on the job card.
1: Yeah exactly, so try to look at it and what's in it for both sides of it, you know, office staff, field staff, because that's often going to be a, a bit of a point of contention depending on the strategy. But the point is what you end up with is your problem tree, this is everything that's wrong, essentially you get them to empty that bucket or you've melted your ice cube. Then you do your opportunity tree, which is essentially filling that bucket with the new thoughts or refreezing that ice cube into a different shape. And that altogether is going to help you to get the buy into the change that you're looking That's for. Right. So, simple process. And
0: then you make the change, you put it in, and there's some other really powerful things you can do to, to refreeze the change or really bed it in uh, once you've got the opportunity tree. Is like, you know, you put the, the new process or the change into your system. So, it's in your, your standard operating procedures. You put it in your KPIs, so that's what people are measured against. It's in your rules of the game, so people know that that's the way you roll. And you give people feedback, so when they do it well, you're like, hey, man, that's awesome, really appreciate the fact that you've done what we said. You're doing all your job cards in the the, um, the ute before you're leaving site, and it's all tickety-boo. That's amazing. Mm. And also having difficult conversations when they don't come up to scratch, so making sure you call people out when they're just letting the side down. Uh, And then if you need to, you know, if people won't change, then it's a whole nother kettle of fish. It becomes a performance management issue and either they shape up or they don't, you know, they can't hang around.
1: Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, overall, I suppose it's all about if we can get that buy-in to change, then we're in a better spot. So let's land this plane. Let's do
0: it. Having a team committed to making improvements to your business is essential for your business growth and success. And your ability to lead your team through change to get their buy-in will make all the difference. Thanks heaps for listening. We'll catch you all again next time. See you later. Next week on the Profitable trading Podcast, I interview Sam and Taz Dunton, who are members of the Million Dollar Trading Programme and have built a successful electrical business on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Now, during their time with us, they've more than doubled their revenue and increased their profits significantly. They've built an impressive team and created a highly productive work culture. And they've built the business in a way that allows them to take time off for fun and vacations. Tune in as Taz and Sam talk through how they did it. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Tradie and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Tradie Podcast.